Welcome to the Loco Parentis podcast, a fostering and adoption podcast featuring former cared for children and adoptees. Hosted by me, Twana Main, a former cared for child and adoptee. And this week we have Martin Barrow, writer, journalist and foster carer. Hi Martin. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Good to meet you. Um, so what's a foster parent? Let me ask you that. So we open a home. We welcome children who, for one reason or another, cannot live with their birth families, have to leave home, sometimes for days, sometimes for weeks, months, sometimes permanently. And we try to make them part of our family for the time that they're with us. How long have you fostered for? We fostered for about nine years. Yes. And children tend to come to us in twos and threes. Uh, we have the space uh, so we can take, you know, look, you know, provide a home for three, possibly even four children. So sometimes, to. so you sometimes have families, like siblings, three siblings. Yeah, yeah. So brilliant. all, our, almost all our placements have been sibling groups. Brilliant. So twos and threes. Yeah, because I was fostered with my older brothers, uh-huh. and I was adopted with them as well. And you were able to stay together. Yes. Not everybody, yeah. not all children have been able to do that. Was that a positive experience? Yeah, it was. Um, there were slightly too many of us to be in one home, so I had like younger brothers and they didn't come with us. So that, so the relationship that I have with my, older bro- with my younger brother is slightly, I don't know, some, it's, it's a difficult one anyway. And I think, he, I think sometimes he's voiced being more angry at being separated from us. And I can see from his point of view, but I also don't think it excuses him being a dickhead. So, <laughs> that's a good answer yeah. so we generally think particularly that at the point at which they come to us just after generally just after they've been placed in care when things are all over the place we personally feel that we we want to give the give children the opportunity to stay together they may not want to be together yeah. but the, the offer's there uh, so the first time we we, we had three siblings Two were placed with us, and we, we found out through talking to them that day that there was a third sibling who the local authority had placed somewhere else because they felt we might not want three, so mm. they thought, we'll tell them about two now and then wing it later. <laughs> so we picked up the phone that very moment and said, um, you will get him and you will bring him to us yeah. and he will stay with us. And I, and I, think, I think having the three together uh, over the period of a few months, I think it it made it easier for them to maintain a good relationship with them with their mum and mm. eventually go back home. All right. I, I suspect, I can never be sure, but I suspect that had they been separated, it might not have ended mm. in such a positive way. Who knows? But that was my, my sense was having the three together under one roof um, made the whole process a bit easier for them to return home. It's because they're going... Because I remember... I was quite young when I went into care, so I was two. Mm-hmm. And because it was quite so, at that point there was just uh, my older brothers and me, and they're twins. So they went to one family, and they mm. went to my mum, who eventually kind of fostered all of us and adopted us. Right. So they were there already, but I was with another foster mum, and I was the youngest in that family. And I remember, I remember, I don't know, I, I was all right in that family on my own, and I knew my brothers were out there. But I remember they turned out for my, I think it was probably my third birthday, and at that point I didn't, I could talk, but I didn't really talk. My older brothers couldn't talk because they'd not learnt to talk at that point. But I remember them turning up at the front door and we just grinned at each other. And I was really, that was, I was really happy to see them. 
And it was like, oh, yeah, I know these two. I know who these guys are. And they were Fantastic. like, yeah, we know who she is. This is, you know what I mean? And we were, because when we were in the flat together, when we were not in care, we didn't really talk anyway. There was no, like, my mum wasn't really around and didn't really show any interest in us. So it was just us in the flat on our own, just in silence. So we didn't just sat in silence, but we were just really happy to see each other. So, yeah, from my point of view, I kind of think if you can, that's one of the problems if you've got lots of children as well. They can't always go to the same home, but sometimes I think that, really helps if you yes. can stay together or even be in contact. So I was always in contact with my younger brother, mm. but sort of birthdays and Christmas and stuff. Yeah, because your your experiences of growing up are, yeah. are very different. Yeah. So even though you are siblings, you you have that that relationship that, that exists. Your, your experiences are very different. Yeah. Now, this, this happens in fostering and adoption. It also happens in yeah. families who are not involved with fostering or adoption. I come from a large family. I'm one of seven brothers and sisters. We we because of the age difference, because we have different mums. We've grown up. We've grown up in different countries. Yeah. Our experiences are very different. When I I talk to my own brothers about stuff that happened to me, or no, they have no recollection. Mm. Whether they're older or younger, their experiences are very different. So it's not unique to fostering, and it's not unique to adoption. Uh, clearly, it happens more mm. in fostering and adoption. Um, but it isn't unique, and I I tried when we talk to the, the kids who are with us. I do try to make that point that you know, yes, we have to find a way for you to process what what you've gone through and 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 how your relationship might evolve. But you know, there are a lot of kids in your classroom whose parents have separated, yeah, who brought in other siblings and so on, who are going through something quite similar in many ways. Family's a lot. I think family now is a lot different. You know, it comes in lots of different yeah. kind of kind of shapes and forms and colours. Like when oh, I was absolutely. growing up, it was like, it was very unusual when I was young. Because <laughs> um, when I was a kid, all the, I think I was the only, I was the only person in my class. I'm sort of, so I'm talking about kind of like infants and juniors and probably like secondary school, the early, early few years. I was the only person who was obviously in care, but also came from a family where my mum had not married like my dad. As well, so like yeah. when I was a kid, like everybody, <laughs> everybody, their parents were married. So I thought that was another thing. So when people used to say you're a bastard, I'd be like, yeah, I am. But that's also, and I used to get quite upset because I'd be like, yeah, I know what that, the literal term is. Was that a is. bigger issue than being in care? Uh, lots of things were, uh, yeah, I think it was at the time. Because that kind of, I was also like, not only have I come from sort of a dysfunctional family in a way, but I've also come from something that's not even as solid as your kind of family mm. so it's like well was that white broke down it's like no now now i know and because i experienced it, it was like no it's just kind of and people yeah it was it's really weird it's really weird so the last the last placement we have i hate the word placement but mm. i don't think it would be a better one i involved um three siblings yeah um same mum three different dads and a bit of an age gap between the oldest and the youngest and the oldest had essentially spent most of her life with the dad. The two youngest had mostly spent more time with her mum, but not always. So her experience was very different to that of her younger sisters. And the point at which social services intervened, the oldest sister happened to be living with her. Mm. Had it happened a few months earlier, she her her life would be very different now. Um, who knows better or worse? I, difficult to say. And she always held that against the youngest. I shouldn't be here. Yeah. I'm not here because I was asked to help look after you. 
and that became the that was her narrative her her experience and 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 she she wanted someone to blame and she blamed the youngest kids and and you understand why yeah understand a hundred percent understand why so when it came to deciding what where are you going next what happens next she wanted a girlfriend mm. couldn't be convinced otherwise and so is she still in contact with her siblings? she is in contact yeah but it's sporadic i i just it's a good it's a decent i think it's a good relationship and i I have hope that as they get older mm. and they can process this whole experience and, and as grown-ups, they takes, will... Yeah, you, sometimes you need time. You need time sometimes and you yeah. need like a, a distance from from certain events and that only comes when you get older, I suppose. Were you only ever in one, with one foster parent? So I was when I first went into care, I went with somebody called Auntie Janice and I was the youngest... I was the youngest child in that home, and I think she had some of her own children. And I think the the young the the youngest of her children was maybe like maybe like eleven or twelve. But I don't remember the older ones, and I don't remember her. But I remember they used to have a dog. They used to have an old English sheepdog. And when we used to go to the park, I used to ride the dog. And because um, because I was quite small, so I used to ride the back of the dog. And um and I remember like people staring at me, and I was thinking, I know I'm this I'm this little brown child with these white people, I and mean, also riding on a dog. I know what's going on here. I just thought, yeah, you people are staring at me thinking, what's going on here? And I was like, I know what's going on here. I'm just doing my thing, guys. Just leave it. But yeah, but then, then when I went back to my mum, sort of the birth mother, as I like to call her, I went back to her. And then when I came back into care again, I think I went with my brothers who were with my mum who adopted us. So, and then we went, when we went backwards and forwards a few times, mm. we always went back to her. And she kind of went, if these kids are coming back, because she fell in love with my older brothers, basically. She already had two other children right. and so at one point she had at one point she had five children that she was fostering in a two-bedroom house and then they went back the other kids and I think we went back and so then when we came back into care she took us back so we were lucky we yeah. didn't go look to loads of we didn't go to loads yeah. of homes and if we ever came back in sort of into care we just went to the one and then it, it just by the time I was six it was over it was like this backwards and forwards is not happening this is not working she's this is not she's not it's not working she doesn't and how did the home, did it feel crowded? Did it feel a, a home with love? Did it feel comfortable? Even when there was five of us, so when she was fostering the two other children, it was nice. But they were, they were, they were, cause they were, they were two, two brothers and they were very close and they were the youngest from their family and they were really close. Because there was a kind of a divide between the two families. So I was the youngest in that kind of, in that house. But it was, it was fun. But it's obviously in the olden days when this white woman's got these five black kids as well, and it's like, what, <laughs> what is going on? Yeah. yeah, no, it was a good, it was a good, good home. And was, do you have a, a? Do you still see all the family members? Do you? Do I you see. In touch? I I don't I don't I main I in touch. I don't see them so much now because they don't yeah. live in London. Yeah. But I do see them whenever. They're I part do. of your life. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I text them. I text them more than I see them. All right. And sometimes I'll argue with various family members. But that's just what I do. But yeah, no, I don't really, I sort of, I don't have a very good relationship. I don't have a good relationship at all with my younger brother. But that's more because he has contact with the birth mother and he do, he didn't experience anything of while we went into care. So he sort of read his file. And because they were so young when they came into care as well, so their time with her is very small. So his file was sort of, it doesn't say what I think my file would say because I've not read it. So 
His, but then I'm not really bothered about the fact that I don't get on with him because I don't think it's important. You say you've not read your file. That's a, a choice, or it's not available. It is. A, I think it's available. It's. It is a. Tr I've never thought about. I always thought that you had to. I always thought if I was going to read my file, it would be if I was to find my mum, the birth mother. And as I kind of roughly know where she is, I don't want to, and I don't want to see her. I don't want to read the file. But now a friend of mine, she talks about. She, when she did her show in Edinburgh a few years ago, Sophie Willem, she talked about how a social worker handed her file. So she used it in her Edinburgh show a few years ago. But I find it, and that was the first time I'd saw some documents of somebody, and I was kind of like quite shocked about how somebody would write about your experience quite formally without actually asking you <laughs> what had happened because we were so young. It's like, I know what happened. So I'd, I don't know, what, I'd be, I'm not sure how I'd react to what somebody would written about what I know happened. Do you know what I mean? Mm. So, I've, I've thought about it, but I'm just thinking, I don't know, because then that's another hurdle to get over, because then you have to process something else. And it's like, well, I'm dealing with enough of what's happened in my life without me having to go, right, let's introduce this. <laughs> let's get involved with the paperwork to do with your life. It is a lot to do with, isn't mm. it? Yeah, a lot to do with. Wow. I don't think, I can't, I can't, I can't, at the moment, I can't, I have been thinking about it for a few years, but I can't, I can't see myself doing it unless there's nothing else going on and I have to prepare myself for it because I think it will be, because obviously it's going to be from when I was two to when I was 14, when I was adopted. So there's going to be a lot of, mm. a lot of, I assume quite a lot of stuff. Do you, do you know enough about who you are, where you came from, in yeah. the sense, who your parents, grandparents, um, not who my, are. not who my, no, not my extended, not my birth family, no. But I'd like to kind of, in a way, know who they are, but without having anything to do with her. That's the, that's always been the problem. It's kind of like I would like to know more about. Because of, is that is that a gap in your life? And yeah, I think you, so. When you reflect on life, yeah, stuff. Yeah. Is that a gap? Yeah. I think that's... Because when my brother went into care, my, my younger brother went into care, his social worker, um, they did... Um, he didn't He didn't have... Um, they did a, a book on him. So he got he got a picture of the flat that we lived in and a few details of of his life. And I, know, I don't know if it's... Do kids now get a life story or that kind of... Yeah. Yeah. They will. Uh, to all the children who have lived with us, leave with... Yeah. Hide pictures, mm. photos, diaries. Uh, we keep a diary of almost every day. Do is and that what you do as a family, or yeah. do other fa All right. It, all all yeah. foster carers do it to one degree or another. There's a requirement to do a very basic thing. We tend to provide an encyclopedia. Yeah. It's uh, far more than. Mm. I, I say that. Who knows what you will want to know when you're. 22, but it's 32, nice to have it though. Talk, I don't, talking to your own children, yeah. maybe you think, well, actually, when I was your age, I did this, and you've got that. Mm. You may not be able to remember it, but somebody has written it down or committed it to, to moment to dog in the way that your own folks might have done. Yeah. There's hopefully there will be pictures of all those important and, and not so important moments to just show you that you've had a life you were as yeah a three four year old because i don't have one of the one of the i think one thing that i found that has always annoyed me is that there are no photos of me as a baby we don't we me and my older brothers don't have any pictures of us as babies mm -hmm. which is 
I think is a shame. Mm. But I assume, I reckon that there is, I reckon that a grandparent, I reckon that there are somewhere, that is my one hope, that there are and, some and pictures. Does that, does that encourage you to, to think more about getting in touch with the, the, the older generation? Yeah, but then you have to deal with because about fifteen years ago, yeah, you have to. But one of these things, like you can just turn around and go, "Hi, um, my name is Twana. Why can you find out why I have this unusual name? Because I don't know." And two, has anyone got any pictures of me as a baby? That's all I want. I don't want anything else. Those are the only two things that I want. And then you have to deal with what you get. Do do you have any sense of where your 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 name comes from? No, nothing at all. No, I've had different people tell me. Um, yeah, it's a couple of South African, like my sister-in-law, mm. somebody said, oh, it's South African, it's this. And then I told my sister-in-law who's South African, she went, no, it's not that because that's from that language and they don't use those letters together. It's probably that. I'm like, all right. But she said, I've not heard that name before. I've Googled my name. There are some people in America with my name. Sometimes it's spelled differently. Mm. But yeah, it's quite an unusual, yeah. I don't know why, because my brothers don't have, my brothers just have English names. So they have just, so I just have the unusual name. So that's a bit like, so I've always, so that's another thing that you can be slightly annoyed about already. You can be like, so I've got this unusual name. So I've, from childhood, I've always had to correct people. And then people sort of say, so where's it come from? And you're like, I don't know. And they're like, why don't you know? And you're like, well, do you want the short? I'm not going to tell you it, actually. It's the story. It's, this is this is the facts. This is what yeah. it is. Are you, are you angry generally? Yeah, that? everything. Yeah, I am. I think angry is, uh, that's my, yeah, I am. Right. Yeah. I'm very angry, but and and how do you think? Clearly, my sense is you don't want to live with that anger. Mm. Hence, yeah, this and other things. So, but how how committed, how determined are you to 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 finding the answers that might well, soften that? I, I, I'm, I'm, I've I'm, done. I'm, I'm curious. The, the last few years, I have been doing a lot of thinking. Like I, I have spent a hell of a lot of time thinking about myself, in a in a kind of like what are you going to do about certain things, and I don't know where to. I wouldn't know where to start really. Isn't that a comedian thing anyway? Yeah, but this is yeah, but this is just yeah, but this is on a deeper level though. This is right. this is not okay. just. Um, this is not just me just going, oh, my gosh, yeah. But this is about, right. yeah, no, I've, I kind of, a couple of, about 15 years ago, so my younger brother, he, one of his eldest child was about three years old and was kind of like, why are you black and why is your mum white? And he was kind of going, yeah, actually. So he tracked down our birth mother and he did it in such a way that it freaked everybody out because basically because he went and read his file, read the file, wasn't happy with what he found in the file and also didn't it didn't make any sense to him because he didn't have any experience of her so it was kind of like I don't know what this is this is all abstract I've met this woman once when I was six and she gave me a one pound coin on a bus and from that day he just thought she was amazing so he just built up this kind of fantasy in his head of like this woman's amazing I want to track her down anyway she happened to be living in the flat that we used to live in as children which I thought was when, when I found that out I found that was really strange that she'd not moved on that not I'm not yeah, just kind of stayed in the flat where she did have all her children, and then <laughs> there's no children in that flat. But hey, it's a good one bedroom flat. It's it's nice. But um, yeah, so I found that quite strange. But he just like knocked on her door and said it's me, and she was quite surprised of like because she didn't know who that was. It's like me. It's your son. It's like what? You're, this is a grown man on my front door, and so we then had 
we then had him just causing a lot of the pair just a pair of them just behaving in a way that is like this is this is this is not right you are doing something really wrong here because he didn't tell us that he was going to do it so then yeah. we had the first conversation that he she had with my oh, one of my older brothers was um she was rooting down the phone. So my brother, one of my brother, with all, my, my younger brother's family was like, don't talk to him about his past life because it'll only upset him. But we were like, well, we used to talk about it in our own home about our experience and just what had happened and what was going on with our lives. So it was kind of normal for us to talk about it. So he'd ask us questions when he was a kid and we'd be like, we're not, we couldn't tell him. So then when you get to being a grown up, then you start doing this stuff and then you have people phoning your home. Like this is, this is extended family members who, who we don't know, but are happy to know that these these children that were were once part of this family have been they're out there, and we've got a phone. And so you had a lot of really emotional people just phoning in the house mm. and just going, "It's me, your aunt." I'm like, "You're not my aunt. I don't. You are, but you can't. You can't do that kind of stuff." So it's kind of like I'm interested in finding stuff, and I don't know. I don't know if I'd want to. I don't know if I'd, I I can deal with people's yeah. emotional do whatever. You, I, Sometimes people presume because there's that kind of blood relationship mm, mm. that somehow you can just pick up. Yeah. Well, you might, you know, 30 years later, 25 years later, and just carry on as if. There was and it's a, very difficult, yeah, isn't it? There was initially, there was, I think in the first, there was like a honeymoon period. There was an initial, like some family members were quite like, oh yeah, we've got one of them back. This is good. But then him and the birth mother were just doing a lot of, just a lot of, just, and it did annoy a lot of people. And it was just quite, yeah. So that's, so that's, that's all, I don't know, I, I can't, I don't want to have to continue and that, with that. And that, and that kind of colours your, mm. in terms of how you think, what I might do next, yeah. that weighs quite heavily yeah. on yeah. on that decision, doesn't it? Because you perhaps don't want to go through yeah. all that again. Because for a, a little bit, when I think it's before we went into care, or we, when we came back into care, we did live with that, we stayed with our grandparents for a tiny bit, like her parents. And so I, I always kind of think, if anyone's got a picture of us as kids, as babies, as like mm. as little people, like before the age of like two and a half or three, it's yeah. them. And I know that because there was a funeral last year. My younger brother, his adoptive mum died, so my mum, my birth mum, and my older brothers were at the funeral. And that was the first time that my older brothers had met her since childhood. And I didn't want to go because I didn't want to. I didn't want to meet her. And you didn't go. I didn't go because I thought I don't know. Because I thought it'd be really weird. Because one, you're at a funeral. Two, my younger brother would be really happy that all of us would be there together, and she would be there because that's his one wish is for us to all be together. That's not an unreasonable. And I can, un I can, un I do, I, yeah. I understand his, I, understand, I do understand him a lot more than I think he, he, he gives me credit for. But I'm also quite angry about some of the way yeah. that he goes about doing stuff. Yeah. Is he quite young? Um, he's three and a half years younger than me. Mm. So he's not really, he's not young at all. But no, he's no just, excuse. he's just, it's just, it's just him. It's just him. He's always, I don't know. He definitely is the youngest of us. He definitely has the younger brother. In the, in the family that he grew up in, he's like the middle child. But in our family, he definitely is... He behaves like the youngest right. sibling. It's like, you can't behave like that. You know, not, especially not now. You've done that. Mm. You've done that. So, yeah, 
I do think about certain stuff, but I don't know how to go around it without avoiding lots of other people. Mm. But then sometimes you need those people because they have the answers. And that's do the... you read about uh, newspapers and magazines? Do you read about fostering and adoption stories when they come out? Do you, do you reflect on how they compare to your own experience? Not so much. Sometimes I tend to avoid them because I know that they're nothing like what I've had. And every, like we were saying before, every every experience is really unique. Mm. And the only time I think I only ever get a reaction is when you sometimes see stories in the paper when, when a child ends up dead. And you're like, do you know what? There are so many kids in care and there are so many kids dealing with social workers that don't end up dead. And this is... This is not this is not the only image of this mm. this is just just kids going about just everyday life who are not dying. Mm. There's there's like thousands of children in care. Yes. And no one's dying every day. Yeah. And why don't you focus on I know you can't focus on but why don't you do some more digging and find out that actually this is what no one really seems to know. It's I'm, very difficult in the sense of a lot of, I think, a lot of good stuff happens. Mm. But it's very difficult to to explain that, to share that with yep. people. Uh, it's, um, I guess, you know, bad stuff makes headlines, yeah. good stuff doesn't. It, it applies to everything generally, but it's very difficult to tell those, tell those good stories. And I think it's, it, I think it's really important to when we we hear the when we hear people hear from people who have grown up in care fostering adoption mm. and are willing to yeah actually talk about it because there aren't that there are many aren't yeah. there but not many people who really want to it's quite difficult identified. yeah it's difficult it's quite difficult and, and you don't want to be identified always yeah. as as the person who yeah. grew up in care. Yeah. I was talking when I was talking to um Paolo the other day, um he said like I told him I can't remember that how yeah, because when I did, did my show in Edinburgh, um obviously I talk about being adopted, but that comes towards the end of the show. But there was a bit in the sh there was a bit when some friends who I'd known for like 10, 12 years or something, some of them were in the audience when I was just trying it out. And it was the first time that I told them that I'd been adopted. And I found, I nearly cried. I just thought, oh my God, I'm revealing like this major bit of information that mm. we've known each other for ages and I know stuff about you and you know stuff about me, but you don't actually know a very, very mm. big bit. And it's how do you tell people and how do you kind of reveal that? And like we, me and Paolo was talking about that a bit. About, it's difficult. And what did you, from that conversation with him, was there something that... Well, it's quite well, universal. I don't know if it's quite universal. It, I don't think... I know that my older brothers, they don't really tell people that they're adopted. And that also that my mum is white, that our mum's white. Because yeah. it's just... It's weird. It's like, why would why would your mum be white if if you look like this? It's like, how is that? So then you have to explain a bit more. Do you know what I mean? You can't just yeah. turn around and say... That's just, Yeah, it's kind of... There comes... There, there's another bit of information yeah. so yeah it's quite difficult it's those kind of things where you're just quite secretive about because I'm quite secretive I'm not secretive I'm quite private actually it's quite weird do you think that comes from your experience that you've had you've felt the need to hold back not share some of the details about your early life yeah. and that generally yeah. makes you a more secretive yeah. Yeah. person more close I think you don't want to reveal too because I don't know how you could you turn around and say 
oh, I'm adopted by somebody else. Oh, you know, she just, just some, somebody else wanted us really. And she was like, yeah, cool. This, do you know what I mean? It has to come, it comes from, it comes from something not necessarily positive. Mm. And that, I think that's, that's a big thing. I don't know if it's shameful, do you know what I mean? But it's, it's a, it's a burden. We went to see, we, we remain in touch with, Children who all the children who live with us, which is important for yeah. us, hopefully it's important for them as well. We went to see um, a little one who came to us as a newborn, who's now six and uh, adopted with, yeah. uh, with her, her new mum and dad. And uh, we we tried to see them once or twice a year. They've moved away, so it's not not so easy. Um, we were we went to see them. We were walking in the park, and um, she was distracted, playing, doing six-year-old things. And she came up and put her hand in mine, and um, no prompting, completely unprompted, and said, um, you knew me when I was a baby, and I, I'm i not 100% sure what she's been told, what she knows, uh, so it was difficult to, to, to answer really, how, gosh, how do I answer that? And uh, I, I said, yes, we've known your mum and dad for a long time, and um, since you were a baby. And she said, no, she said, you were very important. And then she ran off. That's nice. So <laughs> I, my sense is that, you know, that the, the parents have been as open as you can, can be mm. with a five, six-year-old, and that she will know that, you know, how, how her life began and, yeah. and how she came to be with them and, and that there were other people involved. And... Um, and I, and I hope that serves her well. So and I hope it helps her to to deal with the mm. you know to to deal with the, the issues you're you're having to deal with and and um, find that kind of peace of mind as early as possible. Mm. I think I suspect it will always be it's always difficult for everyone, but I I hope it will help her give her some comfort that she knows that. She was loved yeah. pretty much from day one because mm. she was. Yeah. There's no question about that. Um, there was never any any period where she didn't live with somebody who yeah. wouldn't have laid down their life for her. Because mm. I can assure you, we would have. Um, and it broke our hearts to let her go. But um, and uh, so I hope I hope she understands that that you know decisions have to be taken that were were in her best interest. Yeah. I mean. Yeah, her mum and dad now are, are just a perfect match. They're mm. brilliant with her. They love her to bits. They they are complete as a family, and and that was different to the experience you would have had with us. Yeah. I don't know because I I think everybody because obviously I suppose it's different if you have spent some time in care and you're aware of where you've come from and you're aware of the situation. That's a bit of a weird. So even though. I don't know, I find it a bit strange. Like, obviously, I was went into care at two and was adopted at 14. But essentially, I never thought of myself being in care because I, I just had a fat, I just had a, just had a, like a, a normal sort of family home. I didn't, I didn't go to loads of different foster families. So what, it was also quite. What do you remember about that moment when you were 14 and being adopted? Were, were, you, were, you, were you asked? Did, yeah, we were asked. I think I was asked when I was about nine. Did. I think I was asked when I was about nine. I'm not sure. I do, I, I do remember being asked, though. I remember my mum sort of... So when I was six, we stopped seeing, like, my birth mum. And it was 
it was kind of obvious. It was, I remember that because it was just before my sixth birthday. It was like a lot of stuff happening. It was kind of like, I remember social workers would talk to us about what was going on. And it was kind of like, yeah, this is coming to, oh, this is, I don't think we'll be seeing her anymore. And we're like, this is cool. Yeah, you're not going to go. So then we kind of became like wards of court, that kind of thing. And I was like, yeah, I don't know, I really know what that means. And then I did find out what I thought, but I always thought it just meant you just belong to the council. And I thought, I don't really like this. I don't like this, this, this state of whatever this is. Mm. That was like, so then, so then when my mum, I don't know, when I was about nine or 10, my mum asked us and I was like, we need to get adopted here because there's nowhere I'm leaving care at 16. Because I don't want, because I knew that was possible and I thought, I don't want to. That's quite practical. Yeah. That's for, for, for quite a little girl yeah. to be thinking. Yeah, and I've got to sort this yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, and I and I was kind of thinking I don't want to leave care at sixteen because it means that technically I won't have a family mm. because you've been a ward of court and yeah. you can't undo you can't I'll have a, and I don't want to not have a family and and I'm, it was I wanted to have a family and my mum sort of said to me and my brothers this is what I think we should do talk about it amongst yourselves so we did. And it must have been less than nine because we moved house. So, yeah, I was in the old house because when I used to share a bedroom with my brother, so we'd, we used to talk about stuff in our bedroom and then we kind of, after tea, we discussed it and we were kind of like, yeah, I think we should. And I was thinking, well, I need to go with whatever they decide because they're my brothers. And I'm thinking, if they say that we're not going to get adopted, I will not be happy here because I'm going to have to agree with them and then I'll have no family. But they were like, yeah, okay, cool. So we were like, yeah, this is what we're going to do. So we did, we did it and then it was just that, that long process of just doing stuff or not, nothing happens. Like this is going, this is, I've got a letter from Lewisham council saying your mum wants it. I'm like, yeah, cool. So I've got one official piece of paperwork from my adoption. And then when I was 14, we went to the high court on the day and, but we sat across the room, uh, across, across in the, in the barrister's office or something. Cause we weren't sure if our mum was going to turn up on the day, even though she'd not contested anything. But I always kind of hoped that she would sort of make some kind of dramatic, don't take my babies, even though she didn't speak like that. But do you know what I mean? I always thought, I always hoped that she would come along and sort of say no, even though at that point it was happening. So, but yeah. And then we went to McDonald's and had some tea. And she was, she was there. She didn't turn up. No, she didn't turn up. So I was quite, I was disappointed in her for not turning up because I thought that would just be a nice thing, even though you can't stop this at this point now. This is all, it's gone through. This is just a formality now, this kind of thing. So I was disappointed that she didn't turn up and sort of say no. Yeah, that, that to me was a bit like. Yeah. Just, just all of this, how, how does it affect the way you look at families and hear people like me talk about our families and carry on with our families now? Does it, does that, does it have a, do you think, what do you think in, Know, like family life generally when you reflect on it perhaps through your work or whatever do you think your your upbringing your your beliefs has it you know colors the way you you look at other people well i think now when you have ch when you raise children i think it's i was talking to somebody about this the other day i think it's quite i think having i think raising children is not that complicated essentially i just think you need to feed them and love them keep them warm, do you know, and, do you know, and like nurture them, that kind of thing. It's not that. And obviously, so whoever does it, just need adults to do it. It could be one, it could be two. Do you know what I mean? It, it doesn't have to be, 
But then all the other things get in the way and complicated for some people, and I understand that. But I, just, I kind of think, and it's just stability. I think if you just have children and you just kind of, you don't mess up their childhood in that sense, don't move them around. Like, move them, like, if you want to, as a family, move around. But the, the adults, the structure needs to stay the same, do you know what I mean? So if kids just go to lots of different families and lots of different schools, how can that, how can somebody come through with an yeah. adult? How is that? That, yeah. that person can't. I don't think it's that, I don't think, when you sometimes you find out certain things about certain people and you're like, if somebody does something really bad and you read their story and you're like, oh my gosh, can you not tell? This this was obviously bound to fail. Could you not see this? This person is, you know, oh yeah, this person went into care at this age and then they went to loads of different homes and the homes are in different places. So he went to loads of different schools. How can this person not just turn around and go, do you know what? I'm just going to, I'm all right, guys. I'm fine. You can't, I, I think kids are, kids are resilient and they're quiet, but they're also... And, and on top of that, you have the situation where generally at eighteen these days, just you're told, "Well, yeah, good luck to you, mate." Yeah, off you go. And nowadays, you're that, uh, now. yeah, and I think, especially like these days, with like young people and adults and stuff, you can't move. You know, it's too expensive to sort of like adults are staying at home longer. Mm. You know, a couple of generations ago, you'd be out. And like everyone seemed to be eighteen, you seem to be quite old anyway. Like, I don't know, fifty years ago, eighteen was like right, you can join the army, you can get married, and like, do you know what I mean? People sort of had homes and careers, and like now, adults are still staying at home longer. But if you were a kid in care, it's like see you later. You're like, yeah, but my mates, they're still living at home. Do they still got family? So it's really tough, really tough. And I think, gosh, when when you're your kids are growing up and even when they do leave home, you know, stuff happens. Yeah. They need someone mm. to go back, mm. to pick up the pieces, spend time. That's why I always wanted to be. And I think the difficulty for children who, and, and young people who have been in care is they've got a lot of rubbish, a lot of stuff to deal with. Mm. But it's that moment when you're 23, 24 and you've lost a job or, you know, you, you haven't been able to pay the rent and you've got nowhere to go. Yeah. As you know, Children, young people who've got a mum and dad pick up the phone and say, "Hey, mm. can I crash on your sofa mm. for a few days, mm. or can I have my old room back?" Yeah, which is more more often the case. And um, I, we need to create a system that provides that kind of um, security. Yeah. And we, we don't. We're fa- we're fairly we're, we're rubbish at it. So who who decides stuff for kids in care? It's there has to be a there has to be a national policy in this case it would be for England and Wales that, 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 but generally we just don't we don't care enough as a, as a society mm. about what happens to children once they reach the age of eighteen um, we think so I think you know a, a when when a child is taken into care and the the state essentially becomes a corporate parent yeah I personally think that's a responsibility for life. Yeah. Not just until you're 18, mm. not even until you're 25. Yeah. And shit's going to happen when you're 33. Yeah. And, and I think if we really did care, we would have some kind of system whereby we'd, we'd be a place to go, a, a kind of helplines and support networks where, where, where people can, you know, as, as adults, can actually go and, and, and feel that 
this is the way it's feel that they are not a burden feel mm. that actually this was designed for them it's there to help them in the same way that if i feel unwell i go to the hospital yeah. you feel unwell unable to carry on at that point you have somewhere to go and and you don't feel that there's any stigma attached to it there's no but this is simply your right yeah as a person who was in I, the care of, of, of the state at some point. Because when we were young, my mum, like my brother had a friend around the corner and he was fostered as well, which I thought was quite funny. Like we just happened to just make mm. friends with some kids around the corner. And there were two brothers that were in that family and the, the parents asked the kids if they wanted to adopt them and one of the brothers didn't want to be adopted. And that's why I was worried that one of my, bro- my brothers would turn around because I'd seen it happen. And then his brother kind of left the, I don't know, he, he couldn't really settle. And then he went to a different foster family and it's kind of like, and I always kind of thought, and then every now and again you'd hear about the older brother and he'd get into trouble and stuff. You're like, oh, if only he'd stayed with, you know what I mean? If only he'd said yes to being mm. adopted. But he didn't want to be. And I think it was good that, I think it's nice to be, it's, I think for us, it was we were lucky to be asked, you know, and we're fortunate enough to be asked as well. It's kind of like, we'd known so much anyway. Mm. We'd experienced all that stuff and we'd, we knew who social workers were. We knew that people were, we knew that we weren't these these, these, we knew that they, we were these kids who existed, who were dealing with with other people mm. in our lives. So it would be very unusual now for for you at fourteen to be adopted. Yeah, I know. That's I know. Yeah, you you more likely be um, there'd be a special guardianship order where yeah. long term. So even if you even if my mum had asked her at nine, because we kind of knew about it when we were younger, would it not have happened or? Difficult to say, but at fourteen, mm. my brothers were like sixteen. Yeah, so I was obsessed with. I was obsessed. I was because it was it was basically five weeks before my fifteenth birthday. I was obsessed about reaching sixteen, and so I was like, "It's only recently until I worked out that my brothers were over sixteen. I was like, don't care about them. It was uh, it was important for me to have been adopted by the time, and I knew it was happening. But I was just like, this need. I need to not be sixteen and still in care. That was that was massive." Mm. That was I'm not, I'm not I cannot have this I cannot have this I cannot be in care but then I thought essentially it means I could just leave I could walk out and I was thinking but I don't want to walk out because 16 when when you're 14 nearly 15 and you realize that you're a bit you're a teenager and you're thinking I can't see myself getting any maturer by the time I'm 16 so me just having the ability to turn around and go I don't want to be part of a family mm-hmm. anymore I thought that's quite scary how, how was school at that at that point how, how was it was it Secondary school was a bit different. Primary school and juniors was fine. Yeah. Like everyone, kids are all right at that age. Once you get over 11, it's just it's a bit of a nightmare. No, I didn't really. Parents' evening I always found quite difficult because sometimes at secondary school, only some people who, I, who I'd known from, um, from my junior school knew that my mum was, was white and it was kind of, it was just normal. But then when you go to secondary school and you meet loads more people and they don't know you from your previous schools and they're like, who's that white woman? Uh, you, uh, what? Do you know what I mean? You're like, oh my, this is not... That was difficult. Mm. That's not... But then they're like... They kind of worked out that she's not my mum. But it's like, right, so what's going on? What is going on with your family that this is... That you're... That you're the people who've, who've given birth to you cannot have you. What is mm. wrong what has happened? You're like, that is none of your business. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? That's quite, secondary school is quite difficult. Yeah. yeah. And it's difficult anyway, without being a teenager, without having an extra yeah. 
bit of just something that makes you a bit more different and it's quite people don't know that I don't, I don't know if there was anybody else in in my school that had been in care do you know what I mean so I was probably the only one and then some sometimes some teachers think that you're a troubled kid but I'm not troubled I'm not really there is still I think that that sense of if you're in foster care then it's because sometimes you're fool. yeah yeah yeah. You've done something bad, naughty, yeah. and you're going to play out. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, which is rarely the case. Yeah. You know, uh, if anything, gosh, the our two, I think our two little ones, they were top of their class. Mm. Gosh, they were brilliant. Yeah. They were learning to read and write. They were just hoovering up anything yeah. you put in front of them. They were brilliant. So proud of them. Yeah, just just fantastic. It was a real hunger to um, to to learn and to enjoy what yeah. is going on. So, do you have have you got foster kids at the moment? We don't. We're having a, a short break because yep. my uh, so we had we had three children who lived with us for two years, and it was tough for them. Saying goodbye, it was tough for us, and. Um, we we hadn't had a break for a few years, and my daughter's having is expecting a baby next week, second grandchild, and we thought, why don't we wait until they've born and have a bit of, bit of time with them, and then regroup and uh, foster again in probably in August, yeah. maybe. Um, so we've done a bit of travelling. We've looked up. We 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 have fostered, provide uh, give respite. So. Children would come to us for a, a, a few days or a day just so that people can go to do whatever it is they need to do. Is that when they come to respite, is that is that respite from their own sort of birth families or is that from other foster families? It tends to be from foster families. Right. So somebody had to take their, their daughter to university or something, Edinburgh, yeah. so she felt it wasn't fair taking a three-year-old all the way yeah. up in a car, so... And what's a three? What's it like for a three-year-old to turn up in? So we have we have a group of about eight or ten foster carers, and we're we're quite good friends, and we have get together in each other's houses, and the kids come. So they, you know, in this case, he knew he knew us. He'd yeah. been to the house and the garden, so that the day he came to stay with us, it was just another visit to to Lorna and um, and he kind of knew the house, knew the routine, and I hope was as comfortable as he could be. And uh, and we had a great, you know, great time. Love, love to see him and so on. Um, he's been a few times, and he is just moving on to. He is going to live with a member of the extended family. Step forward. Okay. Know, so um, he's on his way fairly soon. He's had a tough life, and hopefully this is the, the right answer. So when, I'm asking, so like if a kid goes to an extended, their own extended family, what's that mean for, because obviously he couldn't be with somebody in his family, so mm. does that mean if he goes to the extended family, that, that that person is out of the picture permanently, or? It varies. It depends on the, the where they are. Yeah. How they, how they're doing with their lives. So, um, the chances are that he will 
will have a relationship. Two, two of the children who, again, live with us for about a year, went, went to live with their grandmother and uh, permanently. And, um, and they see their mum and they see their dad. They just, for one reason or another, don't, don't live with them at this point. Yeah. I suspect as they get older, they will spend more time in their homes. I think both their parents are in a better place now than they were three years ago, four years ago. And um, I suspect by the time the two little ones are 14, 15, 16, I suspect life will be... It's nice to have extra parents, extra people yeah. to be involved, extra adults that you can go to sometimes just to give you a break from whoever's looking after you. Because yeah. they're always the worst people anyway. So even... I mean, the reasons the reasons why children come into care are, you know, there are so many reasons. Yeah. But sometimes it's and and uh, sometimes it is not because the parents have been bad or evil. Mm. You know, life life has Life has fallen apart, yeah. and there is a moment in which they, you know, they need, they just can't mm. deal with stuff. You know, there are mental health issues, there's drugs, you know, um, financially everything falls apart, um, and it and it can happen, as I often say, it can happen to anyone. It can happen to anyone. No, nobody is immune to, mm. to stuff falling apart, and you know, sometimes children. When it does fall apart, children, the, the youngest children, are the ones who yeah. suffer the most. Um, and so sometimes foster care is, is a temporary answer yeah. to something until they, they, they go back on an even kill. Sometimes it's until they're older and they have a relationship with mum or dad or both or grandparents. Um, sometimes it's a clean break. It's a complete break. Yeah. It just varies depending on how things develop really. There's no there's no blueprint, there's no template for any of this. Every case we've we've ever had, every every family we've ever been involved with has been completely different. Most of the children have a relationship of one kind or another with their birth parents. Good. And and oh. grandparents. I think grandparents tend to suffer. Yeah. A lot and mm. often overlooked. Yeah. Grandparents. They they tend to get left out of visiting arrangements and so on. I think it's a, a big loss to and to the children who yeah. don't have their relationship with grandparents. I think uh, as somebody who has no contact and didn't have any contact as a child with kind of extended family, I've I I I I think I've lost out there. Because mm. essentially my family is just me and my brothers and then there's white parents and grandparents and a few cousins mm. but they're all white <laughs> it's like well I'm not white so and it's just it's a bit strange when your family's quite small and and then you can't you can sort of do your family tree or whatever but you don't quite you're not quite part of that family and you'd like to be able to say well actually I do have these cousins I do have these aunts I do have these people and so you do because yeah it's just otherwise you don't quite exist the issue, the issue of race and faith is is really difficult. Mm. Um, you know, the, it's complicated. You know, you'll, you'll recall this, possibly the story in the Times about the Muslim family. Yeah, yeah. That's where I came across your name. So we, at the time, as it happened, three children who lived with us were, were 
from Africa, their, their family, their heritage was African, uh, from two different countries. Yeah. And um, they're white, so. and uh, and living in a part of the country where you know, London's rather yeah. diverse, much yeah. more cosmopolitan, we live around Sussex countryside. Um, and they went to school; they, they were the only black kids in their small village school. And um, when the decision came to plan their you know, their future, it weighed very heavily on us as a white family, uh, how, how, what we decided, um, we would have, I think, loved to, a big part of us wanted to say, you know, you, we want you to stay with us, but we felt, as we've often felt actually, that we should at least explore that there might, the possibility that there might be a better answer. And, and I, I think we found it in the end with a, a couple who had, not have children in a mixed race. They, yeah. he, father was from South Africa, mother from the UK, and there was a part of me that said, "Well, when they're together, it's actually quite conceivable that they are a yeah. family." Yeah, and 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 that meant yeah. I I, it um, I I just felt they wouldn't. It it would make navigating through school mm. and. Stuff mm. in the way that you've described yeah. that a little bit easier. I th- I hope. Yeah, because when we were at home, we were just a f- you were just a family, and even like now we're a family. But sometimes when you're a young person and you step out and it's like, hmm, like people, you can see that people are clocking that people have mm. noticed something. You're like, yeah, I know what you've noticed, and I know that yeah, it's difficult. And then yeah. you just it, it's kind of like I suppose when you're a young person, you just want to fit in. Mm whatever that is or you just don't want to sometimes you just want to be invisible and I found that sometimes I wasn't invisible for, for, for certain things it just was sometimes it was it just flagged something up it's like something is not right here something has gone wrong somewhere mm-hmm. and I was found that yeah we we were also older than their parents would normally be I mean yeah. parents come in all ages these days but typically we were older anyway mm-hmm. the, 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 the adoptive their adoptive parents are younger than us, so there's a combination of race and age that made us feel that, much as we would have loved to have said yes, that it was it was the wrong answer yeah. for them. Yeah. And and hopefully, hopefully in time, everyone will agree it was the best outcome. No way of knowing. Now, but I I hope so. Um, I think we couldn't live with ourselves if they came back to us one day and said it was a shit outcome, <laughs> and I blame you for yeah, it. You, yeah. you know, you shouldn't have done that. When God knows we gave it so much thought, mm. and 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 actually saying goodbye was just dreadful. It's dreadful. I just can't begin to describe how hard it is for them, but. Uh, but for us, really. Yeah, we've um, made, made a bond, bonded. Yeah. And it's, obviously, if it's if it's sad to say goodbye, you've obviously been doing it right. Mm-hmm. Something's gone right. I mean, if it'd been rubbish, you'd be like, see you later, thumbs up. No. Yeah. Be like, I agree. I think I think it just, I think you're right. I think it comes as part, it is a part mm-hmm. of all of us to care. 
if you've done your job right, then uh, yeah, you will feel that sense of loss. Um, but I think I think we felt it was it was, and, and we've stayed in touch with human that actually they're they're doing they're doing well regularly. So situations set up and see a bit of banter and a, you know stuff that's going on that you like to see between a mum and dad mm. and their kids and it's um it's, it's it will take a long time but it's encouraging it's good to see good to see actually. I think we'll leave it there I think that's a good place to end actually Great. on a on a positive note on a happy family Thanks for listening to the Loco Parentis podcast. Special thanks to Andrew Mills for letting us use the Dress Circle Bar at the St Martin's Theatre. I've been Twana May. See you soon. <laughs>